Hey guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Spartan Spotlight Podcast. It's Justin Thind from SpartanMag.com with my co-host, Corey Robinson, and our special guest joining us once again is Spartan legend, Cedric Irvin. So guys, great day to be a Spartan. A lot of people thought we were not going to win this game. We were being counted out. We were Vegas underdogs by 24 and a half points at one point, but like we've done many times in the past... Once again, Michigan State decided to pull it out despite all odds. And I want to kind of jump into sort of a rant real quick. Ever since I've started covering Michigan State for Rivals.com, one of the things that I've been directed at a lot of times is recruiting rankings and how Michigan dominates in those. So I kind of want to touch on that here real quick a little bit. First of all, from a more bigger picture stance, I feel like Michigan fans have been sold an illusion with Jim Harbaugh. The media, they kind of have Harbaugh on a pedestal. He's kind of their golden boy, their quarterback whisperer, just because he's Michigan made and all that. But he really hasn't done anything since he's been here. Yet continuously, every single year, the local media hype up Jim Harbaugh in Michigan as this is the year. This is the year. Every year we hear it. And kind of to go along with that offseason hype, we hear a lot about recruiting rankings. So one thing I want to hit on real quick right now is don't at me about recruiting rankings. Don't at me about stars. Don't at me about any of that stuff on Twitter going forward. First of all, I don't want to hear anything about those four and five stars when they don't even know where Indianapolis is on a map since your savior hasn't led them there yet. Another thing (laughs) is if this is your ceiling, if nine wins a year is your ceiling, that's fine. That's better than Michigan State has done the last two years. But don't ever talk to me about this is the year if it has yet to be the year the most important postseason game that a Michigan player plays in their amateur football career is the Under Armour All-American game as a high school senior because that's the last postseason game they have a chance of winning when your savior goes ahead and blows every single bowl game and every single late season game against Ohio State and until these recruits that are four and five stars find Indianapolis Don't at me about any recruiting rankings and don't tell me that this is the year, no matter what media tells you about your savior that ended up just being a glorified Brady Hoke in retrofit glasses that spent more of this game bent over reacting to every single failure that him and his defense were responsible for and didn't really have any of that energy that you see him walk into recruits' houses with in Jordan cleats scratching up recruits' wood floors. So let's just relax on a little bit of that preseason hype and those recruiting rankings And with that, let's open it up to the rest of the show that we have planned. So, guys. (laughs) Justin, tell them how you really feel, baby. Tell them how you really feel. So, uh, so why why don't you guys go into a little bit about what you feel after that game? Well, for me, it's like what I told you, man. We had to make it a heavyweight fight. You know, I told you in the last cast that we had to play with energy. We had to max. We had to pose our will. You know, the defense, man, the defense played wonderful man they was running to the ball we got a lot of three and outs we played offense played with a little more we played with more short field than they did man defense gave us a uh the best opportunity to win this game man and uh like i say man as, as a spartan dog as an alumni i got bragging rights for the next 364 and um, and it's it's, going, it's a great day to be a Spartan, man. Uh, the three of us previewed what we needed to see. And I think between the three of us, we pretty much nailed it. Uh, where Cedric was talking about how 
in that rivalry game, you have to have that dog that steps up and rises to the occasion. I think true freshman Ricky White obviously uh, took on that role, and I think he had the second most receiving yards for Michigan State Spartan behind uh, Plaxico Burris against a Michigan program. And this is his second game as a true freshman, so he kind of did that. We said that they needed to take deep shots, which Rocky did that. Uh, over and over uh, with a lot of success where they either beat their man or they got held because they couldn't handle the speed that Michigan State has at wide receiver. And then just that the defense needed to show a better effort and uh, tackle, finish, and wrap up. And you saw them come out and be the more physical team and punch Michigan in the mouth rather than uh, the last two years where you saw maybe the Spartans getting punched in the mouth more. So they finally – kind of looked like they took it personal again and uh tucker gets a lot of credit for picking them up after probably maybe the hardest loss a lot of us have had to take in a long time with rutgers but uh so you give a lot of credit to players and coaches for throwing that away and saying this is michigan week let's get it done yeah and i think um one of the things i was wrong about was when we were talking about everything that needed to be fixed last game. Uh, I said that this team can seriously compete if they fix the turnovers and some stuff, but the offensive line will continue to hold them back. Even if that happened Well, I was clearly wrong, I, I haven't seen this kind of an improvement in season, maybe ever in five practices, this team went from not being able to block anything to giving up zero sacks against a defensive line of Quidi Pae and Aiden Hutchinson, who are projected to go on the day one or day two of the NFL draft. And even the running backs that were kind of letting blitzes seep into the, into the pocket, they clean in the protection. And just, I, I did not expect our trenches to win out against their trenches in this game after what we saw last game. And same goes for the defensive line. Um, I thought we were okay as a defensive line last game, but the fact that if Joe Milton's still in the pocket for more than two, two and a half seconds, he had to roll out and dip that was not something I was expecting. So both sides of the trenches for Michigan state, that was kind of the reason we won other than the passing attack, obviously, but they just played way higher than my expectations. And I think they definitely deserve a shout out. And I needed to admit that I was wrong about the offensive line's potential. Well, you know, it's one of those situations where, where, okay, you lose the first one and then, you know, you tip your hats out to Rutgers. You got to understand it's a, they got a new head coach that came in with a probably that guy's known with a, to be a fiery type of guy. And, and, and it happened, but it wasn't that Rutgers just punched us in the mouth. I want to say we had what, six or seven turnovers. You know what I mean? So imagine you playing a game with six or seven turnovers and you still lose by what, 10 or six or eight or whatever it was. So they knew coming back on Monday that it wasn't Rutgers, it was us. So now what you do as a coach, what you, you tell your team is, it's not about what they do, it's about what we do. If we execute and eliminate the mistakes and the penalties and play our football, we can play with anybody. So it wasn't about Michigan. It was about Michigan State playing Michigan State football. You know, you think about the defensive coordinator, you think about the DB coach, all those defensive guys you got over there. Now, you today you saw... Because they say every team reflect their coaching. Now you, you you begin to see guys playing like they're being taught. You know what I mean? And on the offensive side of the ball, just watching that game, we got to be more now 
because we don't have a running game. We got to be more of a 70, 30 pass the ratio team. You got to let that guy throw the ball 30 to 40 times. Because now you got some big time receiver, which I said we had a last podcast. I say somebody got to show up and be the next Plessico Birds, right? And we had a guy that came second today to Plessico Birds. So 70 30, man, that's what it is until we find a running game. And, 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 and it won't hurt. It won't hurt. Because if you look at the, look at Alabama, I mean, that, that quarterback, he, he he's throwing the ball, even though they got a great running back. But that guy throws the ball 30, 40 times. And that's what we're going to have to do to, to be in every game. And so for me, too, like I guess how you were talking about how we beat ourselves, which was clearly the case. Because, I mean, if you looked at the game, it felt like a lot of people that were complaining about the offense or this or whatever. I, I just think they wanted to be angry because you saw the separation the receivers were getting as just the turnovers. Uh, you saw Jordan Simmons looked like he could really be something as his first year as a running back, uh, his first game as a true freshman. And you saw him step up and I think he was even much better today. And he got more pass blocking assignments today than he did against Rutgers and he showed up and put his nose in there and did the job. And then uh, as far as the offensive line improvement, you know, that's kind of what I was hinting at, but I couldn't say the info I had. I knew that Nick Samak was taking over at center uh, and that J.D. Duplain, the other freshman uh, guard, would play a lot. And those guys are just difference makers where they actually move the line and kind of blow some guys up and stick to the blocks. And, you know, if they get – make a bad step they don't just quit and watch a guy they get it on their horse and make sure they can at least put a hand on there to separate the guy but yeah going forward I mean if you have 27 or 28 points against Rutgers uh when you turn the ball over seven times I mean the last couple of years you couldn't get that many points on the board without zero turnovers so it's a whole different team a lot better speed and a lot better spacing so I think they've updated kind of their attack as an offense yeah definitely and then touching on something that Cedric said a little while ago about it's a reflection of the coaching at this point in these rivalry games that's actually something that Ricky White um, who was the star player today's game that's something that he mentioned post game he told uh, the media that he said this was a special game and the coaches emphasized that to them and he specifically called out uh, wide receivers coach Courtney Hawkins. And he says, all week, Courtney Hawkins made it clear that this is special to him. And he said, I wanted to go out and win this for him just because of how much coach Hawkins was emphasizing to them about how significant this is for him and them. And just touching on Ricky White for a while, that's something that I would assume recruits and everybody would want to see is that the new coaching staff is willing to play anybody, no matter how young they are. And no matter how big the game is, and you have a kid here that came in as a true freshman, and this is his second game in playing in the Big Ten, and they not only let him play significant minutes, they basically made him the focal point of the offense. Once they saw that Michigan was taking away our best weapon in Jaden Reed uh, with using Dax Hill on him and then sometimes double covering him, and to Ricky White's credit, he stepped up. He saw they were taking away uh, Michigan State's best weapon. And he decided that he was going to go ahead at the second most yards in this rivalry game since Plax. 
So I guess Cedric, I would ask you is as a recruit watching a football game and you noticing the team's leading rusher is a true freshman, the team's leading receiver is a true freshman. Does that help you understand the fact that the coach really is willing to play the best players and is fair to all incoming players? Is that something you notice? Is that something you put stock in? As a coach and as a parent, I'll tell my players to, if I'm giving advice, you know, pick a school where, you know, you look at the depth chart, you know, look at, look at, look at your position. And also if you feel like you're a confident guy and you, and you, and you college ready, pick a school where you feel like you can play as a freshman, because these days you got to think, I mean, I mean, look at, look at the quarterback from, from Philadelphia Eagles. You know, I never seen that conference before. I would have never told you. You can, I couldn't even tell you where that, where that university is at. So it's not about where you go. It's about where the opportunity you're going to have. So if I'm a recruit and you're playing freshmen, and I know I got the talent and I can play, come on. I'm on my way to East Lansing, baby, because you got a new head coach, you know, and a new staff. So their recruits are going to be their recruits and not the recruits of old. So all I got to do is come in and, and, and work hard and make plays and show, show my coaches that I'm, I'm a guy that you can, you can count on. Give me a shot. And they're giving, they're giving freshmen a shot. It's all about giving your playmakers a shot. I'm going to put the best 11 on the field. I don't care if you're 18 or you're 27. <laughs> I'm putting the best 11 on the field, baby. So I'm going to compound on that and see if you notice this too, Cedric. Not only did they put those freshmen on the field, they let them play their style. Like, I don't know if you noticed, Ricky White was hitting double moves like crazy as a true freshman. Just And that's what he did when he was at Marietta, Georgia, playing for a big-time program. You know, he was his route running and just that stuff. They, they let those guys – I felt like they let them be themselves while executing the game plan of beat your man deep. Is that something that, that – would stick out to you as a recruit and player? Yeah, if, if, if you if I'm watching that game and and I'm and I'm a high school receiver and I see you running the same routes that I run in in high school and you giving me a shot, you giving a guy a shot early, and I know I can play right along with White or whatever it is. I, I, I'm gonna get that's a selling point, you know. If I'm on that staff right now, I make a highlight of that a White's game right now, and I go to the top receivers in the country. And let them know, hey, you got a shot to come in and play now. You know, if you go to uh, Alabama, you're going to sit two or three years. But you need to play now. Just, just off that highlight tape right there, that game of white, that can be a selling point to a lot of recruits, trust me. Yeah, I've actually talked to uh, the top 2021 target out of Louisiana tonight that they caught his attention. And I've talked to three of the 22 wide receivers tonight and they they all mentioned they're like yeah they cha- completely changed like I liked them a lot before and I hear nice things but today I got to see them let those guys play and uh take shots and let them let their natural abilities take over so uh a lot of those guys came out today and said yeah they made a big move and opened my eyes so that yeah And touching on that target you mentioned, so he's from Louisiana, Keon Coleman, Tom Izzo's recruiting him, Coach Tucker's recruiting him, he's a dual sports star. He is from Louisiana and so is grad assistant Corday Hankton. And right after the the second the game ended, uh, Coach Hankton already tweeted out, 
we recruit every single day. Who wants to be the next Spartan dog? Right after this win, they're already thinking about recruiting. They're thinking about the future. And just the fact that it goes along with the theme that we laid out about everyone can play early if they're worthy. And these guys are immediately noticing it. They're showing it on, on social media. And in addition to the conversation he had with you, Corey, he's already tweeted out good win today at coach Tucker and at MSU football. And the picture he quote tweeted was him in a Spartan hoodie. So these guys are immediately all over the country taking notice of this game. And this staff is compounding on this win and they're making it known. They're reaching out to guys immediately. They're basically telling them, look what we did. Why wouldn't you want to join? right even just two hours after the game they just drove back to east lansing a few hours ago and it would not surprise me if the entire bus ride the entire coaching staff was recruiting and just to kind of go along with what cedric said about how this is a selling point make no mistake about it that they are definitely trying to capitalize on this selling point oh and what you also do in the recruiting game is (laughs) if i'm the recruiting coordinator I'm, i'm going down michigan list I'm looking at the guys that committed. I'm looking at the guys that's on the crystal ball that got Michigan high. And I'm letting them know, hey, just come on down the street 45 minutes and, and, and be a winner. Because that that, that trophy going to be here for a while. You know, those guys displayed that type of effort where, you know, we don't fear, you know, Michigan. You know, right now you you really beneath us. You know, we didn't just we didn't just beat you. You know, we 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 dominated. It was physical especially from a defensive standpoint. You know, like you said, the quarterback didn't get touched and we, we let it go. I don't think we let it go enough. Right before the half, we should have let it go again. I mean, they could not cover, they could not cover those receivers, man. And, and that's one thing I hope that, that, that the offensive coordinator realized. We got to take shots. Take more shots. Put the ball in the quarterback hand. 300-some yard pass in this game. I mean – I'm, I'm going to put the game on his shoulder because we don't have a running back right now that we can give the ball to 20, 25 times that I think that can average four to five yards a carry. Yeah, definitely. That, that's what I, that part, too. I was kind of uh, wondering what they were doing with three minutes left where they basically, for whatever reason, tried to take their foot off the pedal completely. But I, I thought it, it was good to see that they came back out at, after halftime and immediately took that shot at White and said, all right, let's get back to what they can't guard, which is our receivers uh, deep. So, yeah, I think that was big for them. And as you mentioned, uh, I mean, Michigan had a lot of kids coming off the field hurt because they were getting popped all game. I don't think we saw it so much the last few years, but it probably gave, uh, like, Devin Gardner probably had nightmares watching that game, remembering the abuse he took uh, a few years back. Yeah. And one of the things that Mel said, right, when he took the job is we're going to be more physical than you. We're going to be faster than you. And we're going to be more well-conditioned than you. And when they lost the game against Rutgers, people were like, oh, look at all this coach speak. This is just stuff he says. He doesn't show it. Well, those injuries, that's because they're more well-conditioned. A lot of those cramping and crampings and things like that that happen, that's because this program went into the weight room after the season got canceled at first and other programs were just doing their walkthroughs and stuff. And Mel went back into the weight room, added extra lifting sessions for that whole period of time where the season was suspended and they were just better. They were physical. They were faster in every single sense of that sentiment that coach shared when he was hired. And I think proof was in the pudding with that today. So I guess now that we've kind of touched on a lot of the positives, 
what were some holes today that you guys kind of noticed? I guess what's the reason that this team still might not go ahead and I don't know, let's say, why won't they go six and two? What did you guys kind of notice that you saw in this game that kind of still has you thinking, okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves? Uh, run blocking. <laughs> yeah, pretty. that's pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what do you think, Finn? Oh, you took it right out, out, of, out of my tongue. Um, I would definitely say run blocking. Um, also, the, with the running backs, too, you know, we had the one explosive run, and then the next play we take a shot, and it's touchdown. Like I said, you got the if, if if I'm on if I'm the OC of that team, what's my identity? And I think the identity now to give us a shot is to put it on the quarterback. You know what I mean? Put it in the quarterback hands where it will pass to set up run, or we'll formation you pass in formation to run the ball to try to get a six man box and things like that. We got to find ways to make it easier for the O line to run block. And the best thing to do that is to get them out of the box. But now with, with a deep threat like we have, you know, your safety cannot sit at 10 or 11. And if you do, hey, <laughs> we're going to have another Plessico Burris again. You know what I mean? So um, process, but I think we got to be more pass heavy than run right now. And also special teams too. Remember, there's always three phases of a game. You know, and the way the defense played today, the way we took shots on offense and made big plays and explosive plays, you know, we, we got to make some plays, too, on the special teams, too. Uh, Cedric was talking about taking the pass and setting up the run. The Michigan State was able to do that when they Michigan had to drop their safeties back. And if you watch Michigan, like, they hate dropping back. They want to be right on the line uh, and make you take the shots deep which Michigan State did, and they kept beating them. So they they forced Michigan to drop their safeties back and to drop their linebackers back off the line. So, like, that that was a good positive that going forward that they have the weapons to, to force a team that wants nothing to do with that to do what they had to do to have a chance. Yeah. I think part of the reason that they still ran the ball so much was because they didn't want the linebackers and they didn't want the box to kind of clear out. And they wanted to be able to continue taking shots instead of dropping those guys out of run support. And another part of it would be the fact that that Coach Tucker, one of the things that were most important to him, he said this pretty much every single press conference he gave until the season started. And that was, we're going to run the ball on our terms. We're going to run it when we need to. We're going to run it when we want to. And we're going to run it when everyone in the stadium knows we're going to run it and we still want to get four yards. Well, that hasn't been happening. But it's something so important to him that I feel like he's going to keep trying it until it happens. And if it doesn't happen, I think you might end up going like 80, 20 pass, but there's just something in him that he needs that to succeed. And he just wants to keep trying it, but also just like putting those in, mixing them in. It's kind of what allows those deep shots to be open instead of dropping additional guys into pass coverage instead of accounting for the run. But yeah, there's just too much talent at receiver for this uh, team to not be taking deep shots and offensive coordinator Jay Johnson did have eight deep shots, eight passes longer than 20 yards. And I think that's more than Michigan state had in the whole second half of the 2019 season. So this was still tons of deep shots compared to what this program's used to, but I think there can be record set with how many 
deep shots this team should be taking. I don't know if they track records with play calls, but the point is this should be more deep shots than we've seen in college football in a while, at least in the Big Ten. And if the offensive line can somehow keep holding up like they did today, that's even better because I thought that we have the talent to take deep shots at the receiver position and quarterback position, but I thought the offensive line wouldn't allow us to take deep shots, but I was definitely wrong about that. Like I said, so yeah. You got to think one thing you got to understand is it was no spring football. You know, it was no spring game to evaluate guys in a, a last, a live situation. And like Corey said, he knew it was going to be some changes. So that's what the that's what the coach is doing. They did a great job of making the changes up front. And then at one point in time, they, they had to realize throughout that game that these guys cannot cover, especially deep. So we took our shots. And now I know coming out of that game, they got to say, you know what? First of all, we got to put the ball in Ricky's hands. You know what I'm saying? And then we also got to take more shots down the field, let that be our MO. And then, like you say, we got to find some way to run the ball. But they did a great job of, of uh, whatever the change was up front that, like you even said, you had to apologize because you didn't think we'd be able to block. Well, thanks to the changes that they made up front, the old line held their own and more. That's why you. That's why I can see here and say, you know, put the ball in the quarterback's shoulder and then let's win and lose with him, you know. He throws for 300 today, which, we, like you said, we had three minutes with the ball we have. We could have threw the ball more. You know, this guy, this guy may be, this guy may be the one, especially with the young receiver. Yeah, and another thing, we got to find a tight end. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we got to find a tight end. And that's another thing, too. So last game, Rocky Lombardi threw for over 300 yards and threw for 72% completion. This is a guy that in the last two seasons that he came on in spot duty occasionally was a 42% passer, a 42% passer. That's what Rocky Lombardi's career completion percentage was before this season. And this season so far in week one, he threw 72%, 30% higher than his norm and completed over 300 yards. And now this game, the percentage wasn't as high, but he became the first Spartan quarterback since 2005, Drew Stanton to throw for 300 yards on an away game against against a ranked opponent. So anything, any doubts that people might've had, they should temporarily be gone unless he comes back to the old self. That was a 42% passer. And part of that needs to be credited to the offensive coordinator, Jay Johnson. He's not having Rocky go out and be a different quarterback than he is capable of doing. Actually, this game, you might be able to say that he threw the ball deeper than Rocky usually would be accustomed to. But in week one, you saw there were table setter throws. There were throws that turned him into a game manager. You didn't need him to single-handedly beat people with his arm. And you couldn't because the offensive line's play last week. Now this week, offensive line gave him the time Jay Johnson changed the identity and had deep bombs. So Jay Johnson does a great job so far. It looks like of giving Rocky the type of throws that the game plan that day and his skill set allows. And I think that definitely needs to be credited as for why Rocky is playing so much better now than he had in the past couple of years. Yeah, definitely. So Cedric as a former player, you know, this game's always going to be personal to you and all your former teammates. So is there any guys during the game or after the game that you reached out to and kind of got to talk about the big win and 
beating Michigan again and having those bragging rights. Right? Say that, Corey, because I was just I was just about an hour ago. I was on Twitter and I was listening to, you know, Draymond Green, you know, talk to Charles Wilson about you know his pride that he had in Michigan State. Then if you go on Instagram, you know, you see my best friend talking his talk, Mateen Cleese. You know, he got on the Michigan State jacket. He got his jersey in the back, you know, and then if you go on Facebook, I mean, you, you see all the, the, the Spartan love, you know, because everybody waits for this day, you know, in, in this game. And, and to come out on top, you know, I, I can't wait to walk in the Detroit airport, you know, just to say go green, go white. You know, it, it, it just a, it's just a pride thing. It's a bragging rights. And, um, and to this day, even afterwards, man, it means a lot. But this game just don't mean a lot just to the football players or to the ex-football players. This means something to the basketball players, to the student body. You know, even my sister who graduated from Michigan State, her Instagram first thing was, you know, way to get it done, go green. You know, so it means something, it means something to all, all the fans of all kinds. You can say a student body part again, because after that Rutgers game, all these uh, fans, all these friends we grew up with here in Michigan, uh, over there in Ann Arbor, they uh, they acted like the sky was falling over this one game after no preparation, uh, no spring game and all that. But uh, football's, a, football's a weird sport. Anyone can win on any given day. But Justin, go back to what you said when you started off and, and the way you was talking, I thought we were going to have to go to a bar fight and you was ready to fight because you, you had to get some things <laughs> off your chest. That's right. But you got to think, when, when Coach Harbaugh is getting paid like he's getting paid, I mean, he got to be, what, in the top five or top ten most paid? Correct. But if, if you're going to get paid like that, you got to do – you got to achieve what those guys have achieved. You know, look at the, the Alabamas, the Clemson, the LSU. These guys played past their conference championship into the playoff and into the national championship. But you now somehow walk into becoming the top five paid without even proving yourself. Yeah. You know I what I mean? So at the end of the day, it's like, okay, Michigan, uh, what are you paying for? Yeah. I, I couldn't answer that question for you. I, I've been as confused about what's happening over there and where this aura and this appeal comes from for that coaching staff. Maybe it's because I wasn't alive back when Jim Harbaugh was winning games for them as a quarterback. Maybe that's some explanation to, to this, but it's almost like they're as, as if they're under some spell thinking that this is finally a year and that he really is the savior when that day is never coming. They're never beating Ohio state. They're never making it to Indianapolis. They're making it to the playoff, but yet all these four-star recruits that they get in July make them think that the program's on an uptick, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm as confused as you are as to where this hope comes from and, and where these expectations come from still thinking one day they'll make it to Indy under Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. So, Hey, Cedric, what, what year was your son Cedric Jr. Born? 2004. That's uh, 16 years ago. Also the same year that the last time Michigan won the big 10. So, I mean, at some point, you know, like I get the brand sells itself, but you're getting to the point now where these recruits have literally never seen this program uh, play for a championship. And at, at some, some point with all that money being pumped in all of this hype and everything uh, at some, some point you would think they would wake up and make some changes, but apparently we're not there yet. 
Right. My thing is a recruiter. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just going to compare and contrast. What what what'll really make you say, you know what, I want to go to Michigan and say not Michigan State? Is it because of the jump man? I mean, it's not yeah. back in '96 when we was Pumas or Reeboks or whatever we were Reebok. You know what I mean? So I understand this new generation. Okay, they got jump man. We got Nike. You know, uh, the the stadium, even though they got a big stadium, is not that loud. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not, it's not like you're going somewhere and you're playing and it's just so loud or with the intensity and all that. It's not that. The fans are there. 50 plus, I mean, come on. Like when you, when, when, guys got to really evaluate or I don't know what those guys are doing, but it's not like they're just getting the best of the guys there. Because if you are, like you say, four-star, five-star, and this and this, but I guess they didn't show up today. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Or in a while, because, I mean, you look at <laughs> the running backs, uh, where they pull in these four- and five-star running backs, and Mike Hart is the last Michigan running back to be drafted in the NFL. And he wasn't – you know, he didn't do nothing in the NFL, but just to be the last one to be drafted, I mean, that's inexcusable for a program that wants to run the ball as much as them. And that's probably what makes it a little harder to uh, – swallow is how as a five-star running back do you even look at them yeah i it's been nine michigan state victories since mike hart's little brother comment and uh, that just kind of puts into perspective how long it's been since they've had someone sent to the nfl that this team here in east lansing has won nine games since he was drafted so i guess I don't know. I don't know why people still go to Michigan um, over Michigan State. I can't answer that question either. Seems like there's lots of a lot of questions I can't answer about Michigan and the appeal there. But the the thing is that if he keeps winning here at Michigan State, and once these official visits start being allowed, and the second he can sit across the room from some of these recruits, and then can sell the victories he's had on the field, I think the tide is going to start turning fairly quickly. I know lots of guys, when Corey and I have talked to them, they've just constantly talked about how the culture is different here. The culture is different here. And they've only experienced that over Zoom calls. They haven't even sat in a room with the high-intensity staff that they have here. You think that if somebody sits in a room with Mel Tucker and, I don't know, let's say Courtney Hawkins, that that receiver is not going to want to come play here over – over Jim Harbaugh's retrofit glasses and Jordan shoes inside the room. That's not going to sell anything to anybody. Once you sit in a room with Hawk and coach Tucker, that's just something that I, I have trouble seeing sustained in Ann Arbor. Once these official visits open, especially when you can have wins to point to. But what you got to also understand is too, is, is where coach Tucker, where, where he's been, you know, he's been part of the number one recruiting class at Alabama. Then when he goes to Georgia, he's been a part of the, the top five recruiting class. So he he he, he knows how to oper- how, how operate and what to do and what to say and what to sell. And, um, and I mean, once once you've been on the Nick Saban, you learn a lot. You know, he, he had the opportunity to do that for a few years and also, you know, goes to Georgia with Kirby, who also, you know, is like Nick Saban's stepson. Uh, and then those guys do the same thing. And they all been in the top recruiting class, you know, for the last five years. Yeah. yeah. And for me, I mean, covering them, like the two staffs, I mean, it's literally night and day uh, where Tucker got here and he has like that 
Saban SEC style where there's more recruiting assistants than I can count. There's probably 20 of them. And, you know, you hear from various recruits, all of these 20 names, or they got each position coach has an assistant coach, uh, you know, and those guys are also helping recruit. So literally every day uh, they're just recruiting. I know uh, Justin had mentioned earlier in the podcast, I bet on the bus ride home they were recruiting. Well, I talked to some recruits. They were recruiting in the locker room, literally (laughs) (laughs) as soon as they got back there, uh, there was recruits that had already heard from them. So, I mean, it's literally, he understands that you got to go get the Plaxico Burrs, the Cedric Irvins, the TJ Duckett's to to do the big things you want to do and get yeah. back to the point where just beating Michigan isn't enough uh to, you got to beat Michigan and come home with championships at the end of the year yeah i i i think we'll leave the Michigan recruiting alone after this but i just think that the mirage that they have over there around that program it kind of just it, it's going to be close to fading away if they lose to Indiana next week and Indiana's legit. And if they lose at Indiana, I don't know how much longer he will be able to sustain any of this semblance of I'm in control. I'm here. Don't worry. Ignore the contract situation you're hearing about in the media. He's not going to be able to keep that up for that much longer. And if they drop a game to Indiana and then maybe drop another game later on before Ohio State, this recruiting class might not sign the way it's looking anything close to right now. This thing might come off the rails very quickly if they're at maybe two or three losses before the Ohio State game. If you're sitting at four and four before the the conference championship week, how are you going to, what is left to sell? The entire mirage is unraveling. All you have left after that is this Jordan logo that you're getting uh, just stitched on that you didn't earn. This is not a bowl game pass. This is not a college football playoff patch or a Rose Bowl patch. This is something that's not even earned, as Rico Beard said, if, tweeted out a few years ago. That's all your program's going to have left if you're sitting here with a loss to Indiana, a loss to Michigan State, another loss, and then a loss to Ohio State. That's what's left to sell. No, I can't think of anything. Yeah, and then to turn the page now to win year one when basically everybody said you couldn't. Now what's the recruiting impact for Mel Tucker, who the effort was never lacking. It's just, I couldn't get the guys on the thing I got here in March. I'm in a tough spot, but he doesn't stop. You know, if a kid commits somewhere, he could commit to Ohio state. He could commit to LSU. He could commit to Alabama and he doesn't care. He's still recruiting that kid where uh, there are certain kids that committed elsewhere. And I was like, all right, that's great, but this isn't going to end. And people are like, oh. and now those kids are decommitted, like Keon Coleman. Uh, I've talked to 22 kids that are committed to LSU as defensive backs. And they're like, yeah, for sure. Second, this visit opens. I'm up on East Lansing and I'm checking this out because I trust Mel Tucker. So, I mean, uh, now Mel Tucker, Courtney Hawkins, the entire staff can go into every single I guess a Zoom call since they can't go in the living room now. And, uh, you know, say, hey, we, we beat them year one. And this isn't even anywhere near, this is like the, the foundation. This isn't anywhere near what we're about to do here. So now 
does that swing a kid like a Rayshon Benny who's got a decision coming up in a couple weeks or even if it's not in November maybe in December or January so uh so I expect that this one kind of opened up eyes for Michigan State so Michigan State can start reaping some of the benefits of all the work they're putting in on their recruiting trail I just hope that that it's not too late in 2021 uh because yes they're going to be able to change perceptions but Corey do you think they'll be able to have a major uptick in recruiting just this year even though there won't be any in-person visits before early signing day is it possible still or is most of the benefit going to be seen next year's class um I, I think most of it will be in 22 but if you can land a handful of the Keon Coleman's or uh Rayshon Benny's or Ruquan Buckley's uh some of those kids that you really want to get then I think you would take that as a win for 21 with everything that's gone on because a lot of those guys I mentioned they have that that pro body type that Saban demands and Tucker demands that you have yeah uh so I mean you get kids like that in the program and just keep building that depth up. And then eventually by the time you hit 22 and 23, then you're starting to try and compete for those uh, top 10 classes or whatever. Yeah. Cedric, let me ask you uh, moving forward uh, the rest of the season, or I guess let's just look ahead to like next week. So after you have a a win, that's this big uh, doesn't necessarily have to be against Michigan, but just a big program kind of a win do people have trouble um, keeping focus and still continuing to have that same domination and that hunger the very next week? How susceptible are programs to having kind of not a letdown, but maybe like a post win hangover? Is that something that Michigan state fans should kind of be wary of, or is this train now on the right tracks? And that's, I'm kind of over overthinking that angle. Well, right now I would say, thanks to the pandemic, you know, they're not, they're not on, on the Avenue. You know, we're not, we're not hanging out to four or five o'clock in the morning and things like that. You know, I can go back when, when we beat Ohio state, when they was ranked number one in the country, you know, I don't think no one slept for two or three days. You know what I'm saying? But being in this time and it's being so early, you know, so if I'm a coach, I'm saying, Hey, you know, Let's look at our mistakes, even though we won this game, but let's look at our mistakes and let's correct our mistakes and let's imagine how, how, how better we can be in the future. Because like I told you, that coach had to say, it's not about our opponent, it's about us. If we execute, we play with toughness, we eliminate the mistakes, we play fast and physical, and we make plays, we can play with anybody. I'm willing to bet you somebody on that staff had to say those words and those guys came out and that's what they did. Yeah. So yeah. going forward and you know how you feel now, you know, you saw the coaches hugging each other, players jumping, boom, boom. And I can imagine the locker room dance and all the stuff that they're doing nowadays. You want that same feeling next week. You know what I mean? So you got the 24 hour rule. You enjoy it. You know, you have a good time. I become Monday morning we on to the next. Yeah. Kind of the reason that I'm not worried about that, uh, just like you kind of said, the fact that 
after the loss last week, Coach Tucker, he was not on the press conference talking about the sky is falling. He was monotone like he usually is, even keel. And some people took that the wrong way. They're like, why is, why is Mel not yelling and screaming? Why is he not showing emotion? Well, as frustrating as that might have been for you and after that loss, He's just a guy that's going to be even keeled. And in this situation, after a win, you really want that. If this guy is going to stay even keeled in ups and lows, right now he's already going to be having those guys focus moving forward. And you kind of see that being driven into them already because post-game, right when uh, somebody asked Ricky White, they said you had 196 receiving yards and you just had the best game since Poxico Burst in this game. What does this win mean for you and your program? He said, I don't know. I just want to get back to work. I just want to get back to work. We have a season ahead of us. And just like Cedric was saying, that's just something that programs need in order to be successful over a long term. And Mel's even keeled approach wins and losses. I feel like that's something that is going to keep fans from not worrying about this post win hangover. And I think the train might be, might be rolling here for good less rest of the year. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, I think uh, also his experience of playing or coaching, I mean, at Georgia and Alabama with Saban and stuff, like they probably, Cedric could attest to this, they probably are pretty quick at turning the page after a big win because one game is just one part of the piece of the puzzle and you're playing for championships. And I imagine he still has that mindset and process-driven type of mindset to kind of say, all right, let's celebrate tonight and tomorrow. And then Sunday evening, it's time to get back to the grind and go beat the Hawkeyes. Right, because what you got to understand is the standard is the standard. So when you're at Alabama, you you expect to go 12-0 or 14-0. You know, anything, anything besides that is not a great season because the standard is the standard. You're talking about a team in the last... Uh, I want to say what since '06 to now, I've won six national championships. So when you're in that situation, the standard is, is what it is. So what what Coach Tucker is trying to do is create a standard where, hey, this is what we're supposed to do. If you do what you tell us to do, and you trust in what we're teaching you. This is this is the outcome. Now going next week, you really you really got to bring a lunch pail. That's that's the, that's what the Hulk card is all about. You know, but the thing about it, they how guys are gonna be scared of our speed. You know, they want to punch you in the mouth, blue collar football, whatever it is. But now, you know, we I don't know if we'll be able to run the ball, but we gotta come up with a good scheme to throw that ball. Like I say, if we can throw that ball 30, 35 times, those guys, those I will be in trouble because I think we have too much speed for those guys. Yeah, I think the Big Ten is a little more wide open than people think. So just looking at how the last week or so has unfolded, Iowa just lost to Northwestern by one. Northwestern beat Maryland 31 to three. Maryland then went ahead and beat Minnesota and then Minnesota lost to Michigan. So, and we beat Michigan. So it's all, it's all even. Everyone's just beating everybody. Nobody's over here just running away other than like Ohio State. There's no reason to think that this team still can't go out and win quite a few ball games. Now we're going to stay away from record predictions, but there's not a whole low tier, mid tier, upper tier, and you can only be a few of the teams in the low tier. 
I think Michigan State proved today and the rest of the teams around the country proved as well that anybody can beat anybody in this conference right now. And there could be quite a few wins here on the schedule coming up for Michigan State. Anything else that we want to cover today, guys? No, I think, I mean, we can touch on Iowa more on our uh, pregame snap for that one too. But yeah, yeah, I agree with Cedric that speed will be an issue for Iowa, I think. All right. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Spartan Spotlight. And check us out midweek when we drop the preview for Iowa. And once again, I'm Justin Thind. We were joined by Spartan legend Cedric Irvin. Agree, baby. Yes, sir. Go white. And my co-host, Corey Robinson. Go ahead and check us out on SpartanMag.com. Subscribe if you're not already a subscriber. And check us out next week.